We're going through the book of Acts, and we're at Acts chapter 3, and on page 1094 and 95 of your Green Pew Bibles, or on your phone, or whichever other way you access the Bible. Thanks, Ellen. The reading is, the cha- is chapter 3 of Acts. Peter heals a lame beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. 
For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Pray for a minute. Father, would you help me, would you help us this morning to be both listeners of your word and doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I wonder what would convince you is there anything I could do that would convince you that God really wants to use you, 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 yes, you, don't just laugh at me when I say that, that actually convince you that actually you are one of the keys to growing the life of this church? Or put it a different way, to see God's kingdom come in Bath, in your workplace, as it is in heaven. Or, maybe just a slightly different language, simply to bless other people. Do you see it that God wants you to do that? You may be sat there thinking, well, to be honest, Tim, that's why you've got a collar on. I noticed a man with a sloping desk. Uh, in the NHS, we used to talk about this. People had sloping desks where, you know, any of the to-do lists would just disappear quietly off onto somebody else's desk. Uh, you're kind of passing on to me what I really want you to do. Just let me sit quite nicely here and have a nice Sunday morning, thanks. Wouldn't want to use me. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not clever enough. When I was 18 or 19, and I was towards the end of my teenage years, thank you, I do understand that, I went for a month in the, Christ in the Christmas, in the summer holidays with a Christian mission agency out to the, to, to the country of Austria. Now, as I look back, I'm not 100% sure why I did that. Be why? Because I actually had virtually no experience I didn't have any great gifts, had very little knowledge or training, but what I did have is a tiny mustard seed of faith that was prepared to do what I felt God had asked me to do. And I, as I look back, I think that really was very, very tiny. That somehow in me, was some kind of sense in where that God might want me, or even 
want us to bless others. The New Testament particularly doesn't really understand this idea of professional Christians. Yes, there are structures, and we could talk about that in different passages of the Bible, but the predominant theme is the priesthood, to use some Christian language, of all believers. All are called. All are sent. All are blessed to be a blessing. That's not age-related, not gender-related. All. All are called to be ambassadors, to be Jesus' hands and his feet in the world. And what God wants to do through you, not what I want to do for God. It's what God wants to do through you, not what I want to do for God. And for me, as I look back on my life, as I've become more aware of the lordship and kingship of Jesus, as I've studied the Bible more, spent more time with Christians, as I've immersed myself, I've got a greater picture not saying the biggest picture, it still needs to grow in lots of different ways, of having a heart for what God wants, what God might be calling me to. How the Bible uses all types of people. Anybody who knows the biblical story in all its kind of variety will realize that God doesn't always use the people you expect to use. But he does choose to use people for particular purposes. We're studying the book of Acts this year, a book that Luke writes to give an account of how the church begins to come to life. Jesus leaves the earthly scene, and at Pentecost, a rushing wind blows as the church begins to come to life. And what we find here, and we found a little bit last week, over the last couple of weeks as well, is Peter at the forefront of the story in many ways, preaching the first sermon, Just reflect on that for a minute. Peter is at the forefront. I know we've talked about that in the past. Peter, the headstrong. Peter, the one who's deeply flawed. Peter, the one who's the Christ denier at the moment of greatest um, intensity, I suppose, is here right at the center of being used by God to build the church. But remember, from all that kind of... um, messiness of Peter's life, that moment where Jesus restores Peter on a beach, commissioning him. And here we see Peter fulfilling what God had called him to. Chapter 3 that Anne read to us follows a pattern that we find in the Gospels, the same as in Jesus' ministry, a ministry of healing and a ministry of speaking a ministry of signs and a ministry of sermons, a ministry of words and a ministry of actions, a ministry of power and a mission ministry of deep compassion. As I reflected this week, I'm not sure I'd quite appreciated the first two sermons that we find in the book of Acts, which is the one post-Pentecost and the one here, are essentially Peter explaining something that's happened. Peter is giving an account of what's gone on and making sense to his audience of what God has done amongst them. Yes, it includes some careful things, but it's an account because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has broken in 
the healing of this lame man shows God's activity in the world. And Peter, as we'll come and have a quick look at, does something to explain that. So I want to talk about two things this morning in this chapter that I think are pretty central to what's going on. Firstly, I want to talk about wholeness. And secondly, I want to talk about witness. Wholeness and witness. Firstly, wholeness. I can't deny the fact that this week I've been wrestling a lot with the idea of Jesus as healer. And sort of with a slight concern that have we lost our way? Have we lost the fact that Jesus is healer? Have I lost my way? Because I've been meeting people, all sorts of people, as I've been praying in the kind of normal places that I pray during a week. It's that heart of the gospel is the Jesus who comes to heal the world. Jesus comes to heal the world, to save it and heal it, to deliver it and heal it. And because as a child, um, even as a child, when I was five years old, the first time I sort of experienced something of the love of God and gave my life to Jesus, having this idea that Jesus is our healer is absolutely the core of my understanding of the gospel. A God who comes to wipe the slate clean. A God who comes to set us free. A God who comes to break the power of sin and darkness in our life. And of course, that doesn't happen instantly. Sometimes we uh, experience a measure of healing in different ways as well as salvation. But Jesus, Jesus is our healer as a church. That's what we understand. He's the one who comes to make us whole. Let me just briefly recount some of the things we find. If you've got your Bible open, you might find that helpful. Peter and John, you'll notice, are about the business of prayer. We talked about that last week. And then chapter 2, and they're on the way to the temple. And then count this man who's been lame since birth. So this isn't a kind of a cold. This is something that's deep-rooted from birth. So actually, he's probably been around the temple gate before. And this lame man sits outside the temple asking for money. He's unfit to be in the presence of the holy sanctuary. Think about that for a minute. He's on the outside. And this beautiful encounter, Peter heals this man. As the chorus goes, now I'm going to show my age here, but Joe and I were having an argument this week. I remember the chorus that used to go, I think it's from the 70s. Uh, he went walking and leaping and praising God. He went walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. Anybody else with me or everybody to give me blank looks? Wait, someone that's it. So I have this child that this man walks and leaps and praises God because God, through Peter, has healed him. And he celebrates absolutely celebrates and his celebration and his joy is a challenge to those around him you'll notice a deep challenge to those around him a few things in this passage just to, to help you think about it i want us to notice remember if we were unsure about it and i started it jesus commissions his disciples 
to continue his ministry. And here we see Peter exercising that. We continue the work of Jesus in bringing God's kingdom here in earth in words and deeds. And this is what we see Peter doing. Doing it, though, not in their own power, not for their own edification, but in Jesus' name. It's Jesus' name that has the authority to heal. Notice the power and authority that Peter exercised. They're not ambivalent about it. They're not embarrassed about it. They speak the name of Jesus and God's kingdom comes to earth. In fact, Peter commands the lame man to walk. That's quite bold language for us. Notice too that Peter and John are simply about, as Daniel sort of led us in our prayers, about their daily business. This isn't some set-piece occasion where we're wanting God to do our thing. This is simply Peter about his business, seeing what God's doing and responding in the moment. Looking for the opportunities to bless others, to pray for others, to encourage others in our daily lives. And the joy, as I noticed finally in this, the joy that this man and being made whole, and particularly this healing. I haven't got time to talk about it in detail this morning, but he's set free from sin. He's restored to the community. He's healed in body. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment of healing in the Bible. God longs, still longs, to make us whole. So my question at the end of this first bit is this. Do we have a heart this morning, or could our heart grow in a passion for Jesus' ministry, seeing it happen today? Is there something in your life where you have seen Jesus do something from you? There's something that you've received that enables you to give that away to other people around you. That's a testimony of what God has done in your life that actually enables you to connect with others, to share with others, to give to others. If you've experienced Jesus' cleansing, if you've experienced his salvation, if God has healed or is doing something in your life or given you strength in a miraculous or different way, if you're experiencing healing in, or, um, or peace in the, in the place of deep trauma, Actually, that you are experiencing the pieces that passes understanding, that's a God, sense of God's presence even in the suffering, not that the suffering goes away. You have a story to tell, a living story of God at work. The vision, the Christian vision, and part of the reason I've wrestled with this so much this week is the Christian vision is one of Christ likeness that we are transformed through our lives into the image of Christ. It can only happen if we believe Jesus is healer. Please, bring your brokenness, bring your struggles, bring your sin to Jesus. He longs to heal. Secondly, I want to talk about uh, witness. As I look back on my Christian life, as I've been trying to think a bit more carefully about it, 
I reckon for me, the first time when I can point to, when I think the first real signs of growth started to appear in my life, were only really when I started to open my mouth. This. What do I mean by that? I've sat in church all my life. I've been in church, grew up in a church family. But pretty much I can point to the fact that when the times when I suddenly started to actually open my mouth and to own my faith were the moments when I started to understand what the adventure of discipleship with Jesus is all about. For lots of reasons we grow up wanting to keep quiet about Jesus. It's a bit awkward for many of us. We don't want to look foolish. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be that kind of religious nutter in the corner. But opening my mouth and finding ways of sharing what God is doing and has done and continues to do in my, in my life become, has become for me the doorway to opening up the adventure of discipleship with Jesus. I think it really is for me. I'm not saying it's the same for all of you. But that, as I've thought about it, is a thing that's actually opened up faith. What we find in this story, a long section here from 11 to 26, have, have a quick look at that as I sort of talk about that briefly. This presence of this healed man gives Peter the opportunity to witness and to explain what's going on. Peter points to the fact that it's Christ who's healed, not himself. It's God work, God's work. It's God's healing power. It's God's splendor on display. And no, notice I haven't got time this morning, but one of the things particularly in this passage is that how Peter boldly reminds the Jewish listeners that actually it was their ignorance that led to Jesus' death, but... It was also God's purposes. Actually, God purposed it at the same time too. But actually also that he's a witness of the resurrection and he urges them to repent of their sins. Turn to God who promises refreshment and restoration for those who come to him. And part of why I'm starting here and thinking this about witness, there's so many things we can do, but this miracle gives Peter the opportunity to witness in a really simple way. It doesn't look simple when you read through the text, maybe, in all those verses. But people wanted answers to what had happened to this man. What, what's gone on? Notice, and actually, if you have more time and you've got one of the commentaries we're going through in Acts, just take some time to read this with the commentary. But actually what you'll find is Peter takes incredible care in trying to explain this to people who are Jewish and understood how Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises that actually they're expecting to find. So all the phrases that you'll find in verses 13 to 26, the suffering servant, the prophets, the patriarchs, Lord, Messiah, Christ, the resurrection, the holy and righteous one isn't just a load of religious language for the sake of it. The phrases his audience would understand. There's care and there's detail in Peter communicating sensitively but boldly to explain Christ's work. 
I recognise that actually we live in a time, particularly in the UK, where many of us feel really anxious about how to witness well. Many of us can get caught in that kind of scared to offend category, sort of maybe weighed down by some of the stuff to do with history, whether it's our history, church history, whatever history. But at the basic level, to be a witness, God needs to release our tongues. We need to surrender our tongues so that we can be witnesses to what God has done and is doing in our lives. And if you feel ill-equipped to do that this morning, that's great, actually. It means you care. It means that actually we can do something about that. It means that you can come to God and ask for God's help for that. It means there's stuff in the next year with Alistair and others. We can talk about how we equip people to tell the story of Jesus simply and accessibly. But we need to want to. So how do we explain to those we know how God has made us clean? How that we are forgiven? That we are members of God's family, not just begrudgingly, but honoured. What it means to be righteous and made holy, what it means to know the abundance of the Spirit's life in our lives. There are ways of explaining that that aren't all technical. God longs as God does things in our life. We may be very aware of our own failings, our own weakness. But actually being aware of that at least gives us the kind of desire to say, Lord, I want to grow in this. I want to move from where, where beyond. I want to be a person who is, doesn't feel too shy to bless others. And we all have something we can pass on. God willing, the reason you're here this morning will be that even at its simplest level, is you're either intrigued and you have some of that intrigue about who God is that you can pass on and share with other people, or that actually you feel really secure in it and you know it. And if you think I'm pushing you a bit far this morning in terms of trying to point you outwards, my kind of fail-safe this is that if you don't do any of those things, please walk and leap and praise God this morning of what God has done for you. Start with praise. At least that's turning your life towards the God and all he's done. So to just kind of come to conclusion, let's just be still for a minute. Let's just maybe just close our eyes and take a breath. Father, thank you this morning that we aren't people who don't have hope however broken we stand this morning. Thank you that you long to touch our lives with your love afresh. Long to lead us from darkness into light, into the kingdom of light. And Father, I know in my own life, there's scenes in my life where have been incredibly difficult. But as we continue to walk through suffering, give us the grace to keep walking and to go deeper with you. Father, I ask afresh as we 
have an opportunity to respond in worship, but also to come to the communion table this morning. When Peter leads us in communion, we're reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and all he's done for us. It's not our strength that can do this. It's actually receiving his power and his love. And can I suggest a couple of things? If you are here this morning and you know you're just really aware of your brokenness, however you describe that physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. One of the things I always used to do, particularly when I was younger, and I came up to communion and as I took the bread, I would simply remember all the brokenness that I was bringing to Jesus' body and said, you died for that. As I received the wine, as I took the wine, I say, but actually your blood shed on a cross was sufficient for all my sin, for all my brokenness. And it's by your stripes that we are healed. Father, we recognize this morning that we're so distracted in our lives generally. We forget to listen to you and to hear you. We ask you to forgive us. Father, we long to be a place where you're increasingly making us whole. And you give us courage not to be fearful and afraid, but to share the good news that you have placed in our lives.